1: Oh, hey, Michael. Oh,
0: hey, Taylor. What are we drinking today?
1: We are drinking a delicious Alaskan Brewing Company White. I don't remember if it has a different name than that, but it is a nice 5.7 cool white beer. It kind of fits the, uh, the afternoon here. We're recording on a weekday for the first time in probably a year and recording after 5 p.m. for the first time in probably in a year.
0: This is highly unusual scheduling. Things are definitely going to get weird.
1: Yeah, the, I'm, geez, the last time we did this was maybe for going to a theater to see like a limited screening first, and mm. I can't even remember when that would have been.
0: It's been a minute.
1: Um, But today we're closing out our Fantasia Fest coverage. We've got some titles. Uh, one's Local from Quinn Armstrong That's Survival Skills, followed by a film from New York called
0: PVT Chat. From director Ben Hosey.
1: And then we're getting on to a uh, kind of a comeback story documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. And the title, you know, kind of gives away. The documentary is about David Arquette.
0: Surprise, surprise.
1: But as always, first things first, we have first impressions. What are we covering today?
0: We have The Batman starring Robert Pattinson and others. As well as Ammonite with... Kate Winslet, and Saoirse Ronan.
1: Let's start with the Batman. The hell are you supposed to be?
0: I'm vengeance.
1: michael that was the trailer for matt reeves's the batman starring robert pattinson zoe kravitz colin farrell and i want to say his name from westworld but i'm forgetting it for some reason i don't know that i can help uh he's got glasses he plays gordon in this he's the detective
0: jeffrey wright there you go there it is what do you think I think I will most likely check this out. I don't make it most out to... Most likely
1: for a comic book movie? I that know. is a ringing endorsement.
0: I don't make it out to every comic book movie that comes out. I don't know that I saw any of the Ben Affleck uh, Batman movies. Batman v Superman. What was the one before that? Uh, there was not. Didn't he
1: have a couple movies? He Ben Affleck he just had, had the one, one? Then he had a, a like cameo in Suicide Squad. And then he was in mm. Justice League.
0: Oh, Justice League. That's maybe what I was thinking of. But BBS uh, is the first. Yeah, maybe I'll take this as an opportunity to get in on the ground floor of a new iteration of uh, this story. So, yeah, why not? I'm on board. It looks surprisingly kind of emo in uh, its take on the Batman. I don't, uh, it looks kind of fun. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it looks like a grimy end-of-the-world <laughs> movie, a la the Planet of the Apes films that Matt Reeves mm. touched. So I, I, this is generally what I was expecting. I'm very pleased that it does not appear that he fucked it up at all. I like the inspired Hmm. casting choices. It's very hard to recognize Colin Farrell as the penguin. I think that's, you know, an an inspired casting choice that I'm excited to see the, uh, the witty banter dialogue that Colin's really, really talented at, um, kind of pay off here. Um, I'm thrilled, but I'm not over the moon. It's just like, oh, good. Another movie isn't gonna be bad that I was hoping wasn't gonna be bad. I'll wait until after I've watched it to uh, to sing its praises.
0: Yeah, uh, word. I'm with you.
1: On to Almonite. That one was special. Bassani.
0: I've often heard your reputation discussed in the Geographical Society in London. Is there something you wanted, sir? My wife, she hasn't been at all well of late. She suffers from melancholia. I want her to walk the shoreline with you, learn from you. I'm not looking for an apprentice. I would pay a premium for a private audience.
1: It's not easy work.
0: All right. That was the trailer for Ammonite, directed by Francis Lee. How do you feel about it?
1: Very unintrigued.
0: Oh, strong. I
1: will give this a cursory look, but this feels like, oh, we found a winning formula. Repeat portrait of a lady on fire, make money, get critical acclaim. We're just gonna Americanize it and include two actresses that speak English and kind of tell the same story backwards. Um, no, I'm I'm really not all that interested, not all that thrilled. I don't think it looks that majestic or great. I think it. I think the the lenses look clean. But the cinematography didn't inspire me or move me. I'm just not seeing any of the, uh, the auteur touches that make this type of a story seem personal, or lively, or, or, you know, pulse with, with interest and intrigue to bring me in. How about you?
0: Yeah, this does sort of uh, immediately strike me as Oscar Beatty, I guess, you know, maybe the most Oscar Beatty movie we've seen in a while. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I I can't complain about any movie that has Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan acting opposite each other. I think I'll enjoy that enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think The Portrait of a Lady on Fire comparisons are inevitable. I don't think it really has kind of the sharpness in its images that that movie had. This looks just a little more... F- familiar in its, in its mm-hmm. uh, visuals look um, yeah I don't know I think I'm with you kind of lukewarm
1: agreed I will likely give it a look if um, if it's not deeply negative if it's deeply negative this might be one of those things that like 90% of people see in the film community that I just skip to make time for another movie but I'll probably give it the time of day
0: makes sense Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as members and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podg dot C-O.
1: On to survival skills from Quinn Armstrong. Hello, and welcome to Survival Skills, a new training video from Survival Solutions created specifically for the graduates of the Middletown Police Academy. Wish me luck, honey. Your name is Jim. Luck! Jim! and you're a policeman. (laughs) The most important qualities a policeman can have are honesty, diligence. This is the police. And a commitment to justice, no matter what. Have a great day. (laughs) All right, Michael, we're closing out our Fantasia Fest coverage survival skills at the lead what do you think about this title
0: well uh should we try to describe what the thing is since um, it's kind of a unique i thought format? this
1: episode was coming with a walkthrough video on how to understand what we're talking about
0: that would be helpful and applicable in aren't, this case aren't
1: you mailing out those vhs's
0: i thought you were doing that oh crap oh um so it's in the form of a police training video. It's almost kind of a found footage film in a way from the 1980s. Um, so we first meet our narrator or our instructor who's going to be teaching us, the viewers, um, what it takes to be a cop in this fictional American suburban town. Middleton, uh, right? Middleton, that's right. Um the narrator or instructor is played by Stacy Keach and in this
1: wonderfully, I might add,
0: I think he's good. And in this instructional video, he is walking us through what is taking place on a TV screen just beside him. Mm-hmm. And it is in that screen that most of the film is set where we follow a rookie
1: cop. Named Jim Williams, played by Vayu O'Donnell.
0: As he uh, learns the ropes of his job and gets involved in a domestic abuse case. Um, There's the foundation of the story. Um, Back to your question. How did I respond to it? I think I took a little bit of issue with the format itself. I don't know how well this how well these multiple layers really worked for me. Um, I think the problem for me is that by having so much of this movie take place within that second screen, it's actually, it has this kind of effect on me of, of distancing me from so much of the material rather than really mm. immersing me in that world. I don't know that this device works terribly well. What about you? Did the, did the format in general work
1: no, I, I I had the opposite experience where it pulled me in and simultaneously suspended my disbelief because I, I knew that I didn't have to take everything super seriously. Mm. And also, um, you, you know, it was like, look, I, the film said, look, I'm going to show you something. And I leaned into that rather than lean away. I totally mm. see the other side of it, though, where you're coming from. But I just leaned into it and was excited to to watch a... You know, this B genre type of a a mannequin come to life in a in a more thrilling way. You know, there's movies that came out this year like Vivarium, I think, that try to do something very similar to what this tries to do, in you know, creating like a false reality that you're watching people play around in. And I think this was a lot more grounded in you know a lot more humanistic than a big budget movie like that with A list performance. Performers and Imogen Poots, and uh, Jesse Eisenberg. I, I mm-hmm. really preferred this type of a format where it takes itself not too serious, but has serious content that its characters acknowledge. That maybe the filmmaking, um, you know, is a little bit more original. I, I I found it feeling original in how he was trying to communicate the story.
0: Yeah, I I would give it a lot of credit for its originality i'm with you there um yeah maybe it's just partly the fact that i don't know that the the format of the video makes that much sense to me that there would even be a narrator using an interior video to walk us through this lesson like
1: i don't know why that's the thing it doesn't make sense which is uh, Mm. like i like that You, you know what i mean like i'm already in a movie it's already not real play with what's not real um, use that as a tool to inform the audience to manipulate the the film into being something that you want to tell a story about. Now, I'm not going to say that you're wrong to, to feel that way. I just I think that it's cool when a director kind of finds a new way to turn something on its head to try to tell a story that feels new, that that um, has all the content, you know, that you could possibly have. that's unoriginal, original, but simultaneously feels new.
0: Yeah. And I think that would work better for me if it didn't go in the direction it ultimately goes tonally because if this were more of a kind of like zany surreal adventure within the world of that inner video I could be maybe more willing to suspend my disbelief but it takes on like super serious themes Mm -hmm. I don't know how well it navigates some of the tonal shifts between some of the lighter more comedic moments where it's See, kind I, of I uh,
1: like that dichotomy because it starts out with this happy go lucky, you're gonna be a police officer. And then it gets to the now that you're a police officer, this is what happens to all police officers. Terrible things. I I like the the pretense of how ha- you know it's kind of like this is how they sold this cop on becoming a cop. Mm-hmm. This is how he ends up.
0: Mm. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between like the surprise that the cop undergoes, the the surprise he experiences as he gets wrapped up in this domestic abuse case and just sort of the tonal confusion we experience by having um, comedy intermixed with some of these super serious Mm. conversations. Like there's that scene where it's a cop. Who isn't really in this story otherwise, who's just describing some of the really disturbing cases he's mm-hmm. been involved with. And one of them is like the suicide of a little girl. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that has any place. What well, like, was the
1: attempted suicide? Maybe it's attempted. It's a, after, it's a kid's suicide. After yeah. he was there and had told her to clean her room for a domestic disturbance dispute with like a grandma and the mm. daughter. And everything had been fine and that. Well. Mm. Yeah, I I see how you feel about that. I personally find that type of you know truth telling of what it's like to be a cop, uh, personally like interesting, and I think that that content finds a, a home here because it it's. Right, the the preface analogy is that Jim is this happy go lucky guy that's got a a girlfriend in a house, lives in the middle of America. Reagan's the president. Stacy Keach is the narrator. Everything is awesome. It's the eighties, and then you slowly see the descent of you know the fact that the way that you're sold this job is not the way that the job plays out. He's constantly telling his you know training officer that she should quit the circumstances that he's put in show that he should be the one that quits his wife leaves him or his girlfriend leaves him like i i think that this might just be a tonal thing where this is the type of tones the type of noises the type of of feel of a of a film that i can just really enjoy it's very different but very reminiscent to um The other Jim's film, who made a a cop film a couple years Mm. back that we covered on the show, a little independent flick. He had a big mustache.
0: Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. The window first. Thunder Road? Thunder
1: Road. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I just find myself, you know, this is the other side of Thunder Road. This is the other side mm-hmm. of trying to tell a story that feels new about a tired old thing, which is a cop mm-hmm. having issues. And mm-hmm. I think the way that they present the cop without issues and eventually bring him to having issues while distancing him from you, but making him the person you map onto the most, it, it just... I, I really dig it and simultaneously understand not being able to
0: yeah I but I like even I think the description confuses me a little bit like you know to say that this is the format is what allows us allows us to not take it too seriously while at the same time it is very serious like I think some of these devices kind of contradict each other or aren't conducive to each other you know we we get uh, a, a scene where, Jim goes to his dad's house and it's kind of this parody of like the sitcom format.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, they sit outside just, at the fire.
0: Yeah. Have I a mean, bonding
1: experience and an and awkward it, handshake.
0: It, you know, that scene on its own is fine, but I don't think that really um, enhances the the tone that this film takes when it's looking at the domestic abuse case head on. Like, I'm not really sure how these different tones... Um, what the synergy is between those. Um, I think
1: I would agree that not all the tones match. And that that specific one, I think, is one of the clunkiest. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes you'll just stand behind something and say that it, it was a swing and a hit most of the ball. Maybe mm-hmm. it didn't hit all the ball, but I, mm-hmm. I liked the swing and the hit. I, I like the look of it. Maybe it was a foul ball that went over the bleachers. I still liked it.
0: Yeah, I, I I have a lot of respect for the ambition, just in kind of how much it bites off. I guess because it does seem like it's doing a lot at once between the the format itself. It's kind of satirizing the nature of instructional videos and the yes. aesthetics of them and the, and the, the 80s. archetypes and the eighties um, suburbia, conservative suburbia specifically. The side
1: characters. Yeah, I think... Specifically that girlfriend. When she says, is it my turn now? Or whatever she says right before she... Like, just so brutal. And and the way that he presents that in frame during the runtime, like, you feel the slow build-up to, like, her having lines that aren't whatever, honey. Right?
0: Yeah, and... Yeah, some of her scenes are almost, like, you know, borderline creepy. Uh, like, there's the scene where he's sleeping, right? And she's just, like, staring there and yep. uh, staring at him in the middle of the night. Um, it, it does uh, have lots that it wants to do, and I, I, I'm not sure how well they all clicked for me in one film, but mad respect for the ambition in trying to bring it all into one thing.
1: Agreed. On to PVT chat. Hi, babe. Wanna go private?
0: Yeah, when I was little, I would always choose like the weakest boy in the class, like the one that got picked on the most. And I would request play dates with him.
1: <laughs> and I would
0: just torture him. I bet you wanna come on my ass, don't you? Put it out on your tongue. Wouldn't that be torture? You know that I'm so close. What do you say? Thank you. Yeah. I saw a girl, and she looks exactly like you. I bet she wasn't as hot as me. She looked exactly like you. OK. Well, I've never been to New York, so. What would you say if I had a picture of you in New York? i want to see it. What would you say if I had a picture of you in New York? I'd say, wow, you're really great at Photoshop.
1: Jackie boy! You will not believe who the fuck I just saw coming around the corner? Who? That broad from San Francisco, the cam girl. Repeat after me. I have the sexiest body that anybody's ever seen. I have the sexiest body that
0: anyone's ever seen. Yeah, that's good. That's
1: a good girl. All right, Michael. We're talking about Ben Hosey or Hosey. I don't know the proper pronunciation there. And his film, private chat or pvt chat rather
0: that's right this stars peter vack who i know from mozart in the jungle did you watch that show
1: i did i did not realize he was in it which character is he in it
0: i think he was our main i think it was lola kirk's boyfriend at one point wasn't he like a theater oh, kid oh yeah that's that's the only thing i know him from i think
1: what well, ring I, a bell? I, yes, that rings a bell. That that does ring the bell.
0: We have Peter Vack. We also have Julia Fox of Uncut Gems fame.
1: fame. Yeah, Softy Brothers fame. She continues to live in New York, and this film is about New York somewhat.
0: That's right. Uh, we center on Peter Vack's character Jack, who lives alone in NYC. He is. Um, unemployed or not employed in any formal sense, he spends most of his days playing online poker and is obsessed with video chatting with women online. Uh, cam girls, mm-hmm. as I believe they are called.
1: That is what the synopsis says.
0: There you go. And he becomes particularly obsessed with one cam girl played by Julia Fox. What'd you think about this movie?
1: I was confused that he didn't recognize her from Uncut Gems. I mean, right. come on, the York. that's why you're obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is one I'm I'm quite mixed on. I really respect the the hustle to like tell a story that feels engaging like this with, with such a minimalistic budget and such like a, a New York. Feel to it, like you can just feel New York bleeding through the entire film. But I think once the film's over, you kind of go, "Well, that doesn't really make sense." Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 am mixed to say the least. Maybe, maybe slightly mixed to negative, but I'll leave it at mixed. Um,
1: I, I feel best at mixed. That way I can always adjust. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, yeah, I, I would agree that the the sense of place is nice, and in, in, in that this is uh, you know undeniably a film born in New York, and you and you and you feel the setting. Um, I guess m- my issue is just that while I think the the craft is okay I'm just not sure that this had much new to anything really new to say about web obsession or online addiction um, I think I've just felt like this leaned quite a bit on the lewdness on the the risque aspect of this relationship for its thrill uh, I just did not sense much insight to this. Into this relationship with these characters, um, did they? Did either of them strike you as particularly interesting in any way?
1: Did they strike me as interesting? Or performances? I'll add that too. Um, not really. No. Um, the the thing that's more interesting is. The fact that he doesn't take risks with his gambling, but uses it to make a living, whereas he's Mm. addicted to cam girls. Mm. That's one of the things that that I found like, uh huh? And then I I really just liked any time we went outside. I I felt like the city tracking shots were really easy and, and fun to watch. Because normally when they're outside, too, there's kind of a chase element happening. Um, mm. Or uh, what exactly is happening at, at the moment, you know, particularly the end when Julia Fox is standing next to an ATM with a suitcase in her hand. Mm. You're kind of like, why am I outside here? And and that keeps the shots very engrossing. But whenever they're inside that apartment, um, yeah, it, I, I would also just point out that There's a a moment in time where they go to, like, this art installation for this girl that our main character used to date. Mm. And it's, like, the most devoid, boring art. Like, just, it's so stupid. And I know that that was probably the point, but the fact that it's, like, a recurring element of the film had the effect of making me feel like I was watching that while watching the film. Mm. And that did it no favors.
0: Yeah, I would agree. It does seem like it is, it's partly, you know, kind of commenting on the art scene and and poking fun at it a little bit, which I, I still think is really hard to do. I just think, you know, high art can be such an easy target for uh, it's such an easy thing to make it, fun of. And there's of.
1: cooler um, ways to do it than like a white wall art installation or like a custom painting stage Mm -hmm. right like the the stage i i think pulls it off a little bit better but there's just there's so much about this movie that i find unengrossing that it is interesting that i felt the need to finish it and didn't Mm -hmm. ever hate watching it
0: yeah that that's fair um i would not call it boring by any means
1: no, it it kinda it it grabs you by the nose and at one point in time you think that why his roommate committed suicide actually matters. You know, there's different lulls and, and drags that, that kinda manipulate you as the viewer to to go on the ride. It's just at the end of the ride when you're getting off and the you know the thing that kept you in your seat is lifted off of your your waist and you're getting out and you're taking your last foot out of the, the car, you're realizing I definitely didn't leave anything on that ride because I didn't get anything either.
0: Yeah, I think the roommate's suicide is kind of key in that it, it should kind of retroactively help to explain some of the behavior, some of the the, the drive to to get online, to connect, in that it's like you get online and you connect with someone, you're kind of disappearing, you're kind of disengaging with the world in a way, but you're also not alone. Um, Like, there's something about that behavior that makes a lot of sense to me um, for someone who just lost someone to suicide. Um, I'm not sure it really gets into that.
1: Um, How do you leapfrog, like, three steps into, like, guy that's addicted and is attempting to, like, stalk the one that he likes?
0: Oh, it goes too far, I think, for that to really work. Right? And and it's never addressed
1: simultaneously. And then, I I mean, just full spoilers, to end up with her when Mm. he has no money? Like, are we pretending that 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 isn't real? Right? Because, like, nothing about the film presents that that's not really what happens. Mm. You could assume that that's, like, a dream sequence or something. Mm-hmm. I guess, but
0: you mean like the very last scene?
1: The very last scene, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I just I don't see a way to to make the film make sense.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, for me, I guess I saw the last scene as sort of where it delivers its punchline in that it's finally kind of shown that what Jack Peter Rack's character has found so. Uh, erotic and arousing about this girl is that he can't have her and then when he when she suddenly is right there in front of him um, he can't perform put it that way.
1: Right, right. Um, That's the point. I, I 100% agree. However due to plot mechanics he no longer has any money she no mm. longer has a home mm. he no longer has an apartment and she chooses I just, I do not Comprehend How that makes any level Of sense Well yeah
0: like that implies that she wants Him like that bad Which that she's it willing, had never done Unless she was really Convinced by his commenting On her art which is just Then sad Because yes. yeah it is um, And even if That is kind of the punchline in a way That uh, the, the Web part of the web as this kind of uh, mediator between them is part of what made it so erotic for him. That just feels like such a tired kind of theme. Like, I just don't know that I find that very revealing. Um, well,
1: it's there's nothing of substance behind it due to the nature of the film. There's no insight to his character that that proffers some sort of a deeper understanding about the psychological condition of a human or him as a human or her, you know, like if, if it would have, you know, 180 to one third of the way in and just been about like how she is unhappy and, and what, but like it, it dips its toe in, you know, maybe like a whole foot of toes in the, the chase sequence that we have where she sits down on the, or I guess not chase sequence but the break-in sequence where mm. she sits down on the couch while he's hiding under it. And you know, they have that line of dialogue. That's just horrendously cheesy about the, uh, the painting and it, whether or not it mm. looks like her. And then he mm-hmm. has to sneak out while he's w- watching. And then like, he's, he's upset. And then he looks back and what and is, continues watching. And mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, I, I'm very mixed on this movie. I don't feel comfortable really recommending it because I think that you could watch so many other things that tell these stories so much more meaningfully. But there is a sort of a like a fun knack to the to following the camera through the city that I I did not have a bad time with. The, like during the runtime of the movie, I was like, this is a this is a movie. I'm on the ride, and then when I got off, that's when stuff started to click that I didn't really care for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm with you. That it was an easy enough of a watch but with something that's usually this kind of obviously low budget and kind of scrappy in its form. I guess I'm, you know, thinking about freshness of vision and voice and what they could do with more resources and more of a budget.
1: Um, More of a screenplay?
0: Yeah. Uh, um... There, there's
1: a another documentary that or there's a documentary that came out um, or was featured here at Fantasia Fest called Clapboard Jungle in which one of the people being interviewed uh, gives this really in-depth explanation that it's way better to make a terrible looking movie with the best screenplay than to make a great looking movie with great stars and a terrible screenplay. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I, I thought about when I was watching it in regards to this film, where it's just, if this would have had a more thought out, more eloquent screenplay, it could have been so much better. Because you you have two good actors. Julia Fox mm-hmm. isn't a bad actress. And our lead, I forget his name, you said Peter something. He's not mm-hmm. a bad actor. They They're interesting to watch behave. The things they're behaving are not interesting.
0: I would agree. Kind of a content thing.
1: Yeah. Um, Anything else?
0: I don't think so. We can move on.
1: On to You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Legends of Wrestling. One of the biggest events of the year. 10,000 fans in attendance as Ken Anderson takes on David Arquette. David Arquette as the wrestler sucks. I don't give a shit about David Arquette. It's the biggest disgrace in professional wrestling history. Did David Arquette just, what's
0: going on here? An untrained Hollywood actor wins most prestigious championship.
1: His involvement in wrestling really hurt his career.
0: Ten years of rejection, that's crazy. I want to clear my name and through the process, honor wrestling. Ah! This ain't the movies.
1: We don't have stunt doubles. I'd like to announce my return to professional wrestling. Did I wrestle again? What are your thoughts? Yeah. (laughs) That's my boy. All right, Michael, You Cannot Kill David Arquette is about an actor named David Arquette. Shut up. I know. Better known as the brother of Patricia Arquette. That is right. Who makes
0: a couple brief appearances here?
1: She does. Delightful brief appearances.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, It's directed by David Darge and Price James. Um, As the film begins, we are told about a chapter in David Arquette's life that I had no idea about. Were you very familiar with David Arquette's, like history of the last 25 years or so before this documentary. So if
1: you remember, I convinced you to watch this because I had enjoyed as a, as a young child, a film that he had been in called ready to rumble. I thought it was quite fun and I had no idea what he did since then. This told me he had done nothing since then.
0: (laughs) That's right. I had never seen ready to rumble, but I also had no idea Um, what all was going on behind the scenes for David Arquette uh, in tandem with that film. Um, So the documentary tells us about how shortly after Scream came out, he was, Mm -hmm. David Arquette was essentially kind of on the precipice of stardom in Hollywood, and as a PR stunt for Ready to Rumble, participated in World championship wrestling and not only participated but won a major belt
1: won the heavyweight belt and a weight that was not heavyweight
0: which did not please the wrestling world to say the least this earned him the hatred of the wrestling world for um what they saw as a celebrity coming in and exploiting it for a PR stunt and winning a a belt that he didn't deserve, that he didn't put in the work to earn like so many wrestlers do. Um, And at the same time, Hollywood kind of turned its back on him, and he didn't get roles for like 10 years. I had no idea about any of this. So that itself was kind of interesting. But this is about him getting back into wrestling to earn back the respect of the wrestling world. Um. Mm How well does this work for you as a redemption
1: story? In real life? Yeah. Really well. I'm really impressed with him as an individual and and really respect what he's done. As a documentary, I think it's one of the worst pieces of editing I've seen all year. Oof. This man has had a heart attack. This man has been addicted to heroin. Neither of these things are what we open up on. About one third of the way through, we see him getting treatment for his heroin addiction. That's how you should have started the fucking movie. Mm. That sets the tone. That's a man getting better that has demons, Mm. right? That all of a sudden sets you up for what's going on, and then you're engrossed. This was like a history lesson for 30 Mm. minutes, and then you, you learn what's going on. With him personally, and then you have a brief interview with Courtney Cox, I think, and then you're on the road to the back backyard wrestling match, where mm-hmm. he gets the living tar kicked out of him, right? Mm-hmm. And that just the choices that were made on the cutting room floor. I just found very, very poor. I think that putting the luchador where sequence where they did, which is I think the strongest sequence, that street sequence mm. of the luchador, I think that's that's as strong as that ending sequence where they drop the hammer about um what's his name having died, who was David's best friend,
0: mm. who mm-hmm. we see
1: escorting him when he has that, you know, life potential ending wound um from glass, um, where his neck is cut. He's keep mm. keeping it tamped down. Um, and, you know, like that, that's almost like a perfect way to end it is when he's holding his neck, not dying mm-hmm. to keep himself from dying, gets back in the ring to let himself be um, be taken out. I, I I just think there's a lot of better choices that you could have made with this footage, because I think what he did, which is what this footage is comprised of, is quite endearing and heroic and i i'm just very disappointed with a lot of the choices i
0: think i'm mostly with you here um i think there's something kind of irresistibly engaging about watching someone just get in the ring like again and again and again like you kind of can't take your eyes off this doc or at least i couldn't because i was just sort of by this world, which I was not very familiar with, especially like when he's doing some of these really scrappy matches, like the ones you mentioned, the backyard fight. That's one of the very first ones, I think, that we see him do.
1: That is is his first one, right? Yeah, which is just He goes to a, a restaurant meeting and like there's an argument and then he can't do anything there and then he's a guest and then he actually goes there and does a real fight after a signing.
0: Yeah, and there's like a grand total of like eight people in a backyard fighting on a makeshift ring and he just gets the he just gets destroyed. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think you can very easily sit through this doc. I just don't find this to be a particularly valuable kind of entertainment because I think this is really imposing a sense of uplift on what just looks to me like self punishment. Um, I don't know that um, this movie's really willing to to consider the things you mentioned enough, um, and whether or not this is even like the right thing for him to be doing. I kind of understand the impulse to to win back this world's respect and um, prove that he can do what it takes to actually earn the medal that he was basically just given. Um, But I don't think there's anything remotely inspiring to me about watching this dude just repeatedly subject himself to something so brutal when it seems like it's out of, in part, a kind of a self-destructive tendency. Like, I don't know that like the movie should be imposing as much kind of triumph on this as it does. I think that just seems odd, like it's wanting more story here than instead of just watching and considering um, what is really driving this. I don't know. That bothered me a little bit, if that makes sense.
1: I I agree. I I don't think that it actively bothers me in specifically the same way, but I I think I totally agree with it. it tries to make what's happening here triumphant. Yeah. What's happening here is not triumphant. What's happening here is heroic. Mm. What he does to his body in the beginning to, I'd say, the middle is a heroic effort. The man goes from being overweight and in poor health to Mm. willing himself into shape. Now, the thing that he does to get there is a continuation of his self destructive pattern. Mm. I agree. I still think that it's very heroic to pursue something that avidly and to get such, such dogged results out of it. Like I just, there is something awesome about that. I don't want him to break his ribs. I don't want him to get his neck cut. I, I agree with all the stuff that he's doing in that regard, but I think that doing the basic training that he does with for for wrestling in the ring. I think that all that is actually pretty constructive because it, it's safe. It's something that is, you know, a positive social interaction for someone who's self-destructive. So he's surrounding himself with people who ha- have positive goals in mind. Like, I think all that's great for someone who is clearly dealing with mental health issues and an addictive personality. I think surrounding yourself mm-hmm. with people that want to improve that doing the same thing you want to do and having that give you better health, that's great, right? And then it, what becomes interesting is how he takes that with his addictive personality and really begins to to torture his body again. I I think that that's where where it becomes interesting, and that's why the triumphant pose that the film takes is very. Um, unearned and intellectually dishonest I think by the Mm. editors because what we're watching is a man who is potentially trading in heroin for a different type of physical abuse to get his endorphins going Mm. and that is worth engaging with but not in the way that it's been presented
0: Mm. yeah yeah I I can definitely respect the work ethic that it takes to Get into this world like he's trying to do, um, yeah. But th- the goal is to to win the respect of this of of this culture. I guess the doc maybe failed to convince me that um, the wrestling world isn't just interested in watching him get the shit kicked out of him. Like I don't know that I really even buy that this is a success. Like what? Like what, how do you even like? There's no. There's not really a clear enough kind of definition about what achievement in this project looks like. I believe that probably a lot of people are just glad that they watched him nearly die. Like I don't think that the, the dot convinced me that this was really a worthwhile goal because of what some of these people probably concluded about this this effort that he put himself through. Um,
1: yeah, I think the wrestling community was content because he was so deeply hurt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: simultaneously, I think that what he did before he did those matches was good for him and mm-hmm. great and getting in shape and finding a reason to get up and, and have a work ethic and do stuff. Right. Because at, at one point he's looking at the camera, giving us a, "woe is me thing about going to uh, auditions. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that was just a guy who was wrung out, who, you know. Mm-hmm he wasn't going to be the right fit for anybody's project because of how he Mm -hmm. was seeing himself. And then you see him see himself in a different way and that becomes exciting. You're happy Mm -hmm. for him. And then it gets dark because he's getting hurt for people's viewing pleasure. And he's not someone who you could like men who, who you would not be worried about Mm -hmm. getting hurt. Right? Like there's, there's good wrestlers who get hurt but they're probably quite a bit more mentally tough than him. I think the modern ones like John Cena and the rock Mm. have been a lot more mentally tough. I know that there's, there's older ones like Jake, the snake who are, who are deeply tortured souls. And I know very little about this community, but I think that he's the wrong mental fit Mm. to stay there because Mm. he will go out and die.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, when you say mental fit, I'm thinking partly just about his personality. And what this doc is quite good at, I guess, is just showing how freaking nice of a guy he is. Like, he's incredibly nice. He's, like, ironically kind of a harmless personality. Like, he's he just strikes you as so kind of sweet and, and amiable. Um, if he
1: had, a like, a personality type, it would be, like, Lassie.
0: Exactly. And that's a hilarious to say that because I was going to say it's because the doc so knows that that i think it comes too close to just you know making a movie that's that feels like you're just watching a dog get kicked and that is affecting in a way but i just don't really see it as a particularly valuable kind of emotional uh tug that it that it's that it's doing um so yes lassie is a fair comparison
1: <laughs> i would agree yeah this is this is one of those documentaries that i i not only don't like i don't like the content of like i don't like knowing how this might go for him if his wife doesn't you know help him see things differently if his friends don't help him see things differently because you know are you gonna be surprised if you hear the headline david arquette died
0: yeah like it's like now what I, I don't know why this, why he's in, in any better position now than he was before this. Yeah. And I project. feel like
1: the, the claim of this, of the title is part of the problem. Mm. He's a human. He can die that. And you're treating him like he's not like, he's not mm. very prone to potentially dying. Um, Yeah, I just have a lot of content problems with how this is edited and how they're presenting it. Um, But I think that the man at the center of it is a very endearing and heroic individual that I I hope, you know, gets help.
0: But you would suggest Ready to Rumble over You Cannot Kill David Arquette.
1: Dude, if you've already watched the Three Little Ninjas movies... Oh yeah, I saw those. Then... Ready to Rumble is your next stop.
0: (laughs) One I'll have to add to the watch list. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! And that's another one in the can.